Okay, Mark chapter 13. We're going to cover the whole chapter today. We are, this is the next to the last message in, in Mark. This is the 42nd message in Mark. And, uh, um, you know, you think you ought to have 50 to, to move it, but it's time to move forward. So we're going to be here. This one, I'm going to go, we're going to break this up a little bit at a time because really it, it's the signs of the times. What's going on? This is Jesus last week getting ready to come into his last day or two. And uh, they were at the, the, the temple, and the, the disciples were just really excited about this temple. In fact, verse um, 13, chapter 13, verse 1, it says, As he went out of the temple, one of the disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus wasn't real impressed with the temple. That temple was Herod's temple. He started building it. He died and it didn't get finished until um, after Christ had uh, risen again. It went for a long time. I think it's like 80 years building this temple. And they only had it for about six years before it got destroyed by the Romans. And if you ever go to Jerusalem, you can, you can go to the Temple Mount. And what you see at the Temple Mount and what you see, the, the, the stones and all there, that's only the retaining wall. It, it's, not the, it's not the stones of the temple. In fact, there are some stones that are kind of laying down. Um, looks like they've been thrown down that they say came from the temple at the time. But it's, it's, and these were big stones. Let me tell you something. They're huge. And if you go underground, there's a place you can go, you go to the Wailing Wall, um, that's the eastern wall, and um, no, the western wall, and it's where people pray and, and stuff, and then you can go through kind of like a tunnel thing, and you can see, see stones that are, oh, well, they'd be as big as this whole front row long, this, this middle section, maybe even longer, and I don't know how deep, but they're probably, oh, I don't know what, Charlie, about that yay high. And long, and they were weighed tons and tons and tons, and, and it was a magnificent thing, but Jesus was not impressed with the outward. And his disciples were like, well, what, 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 what's going on? So we find that out in the next area, next section. Let's look at uh, verses 3 through 8. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple. Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answering, said, uh, be, um, answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be. But the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Jesus is going to start warning them. The disciples want to know, just like everybody, Jesus, when are you coming back? When is, the, when is the things going to end, and when do we all get to go to heaven? We want to know that stuff today, don't we? In fact, there's some people out there trying to tell you it's going to happen 
well, 1988, wasn't it supposed to happen then? And then somebody, well, I miscalculated what happened here. Look, if any man tells you something, they don't, they don't know. But we are looking in the last days. The last days, if you read this, your scripture, you see that term happening quite a bit. And, and what it refers to is the time from where Jesus ascended till the time where Jesus comes back. And we're going to see things in this passage. It's called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus is sitting over on the Mount of Olives. And he's teaching his disciples what to look for. In fact, he's giving them some warnings. This first warning, and here's where you read it, it says, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. First warning that we need to take care of is that there's going to be a lot of false religion out there. There's a lot of false religion. It says, look how it says, it says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I don't know, sometime early 80s, I opened up a thing, a uh, um, USA Today newspaper, and um, there was this big full-page ad saying that the, the Christ is here. A guy named Benjamin Krim took this ad out in several things across the nation. He was uh, proclaiming a, a, um, some sort of new-aged guy named Maitreya who is here, and he is the Christ, and he's going to uh, come, and he's going to make everything right, and it's just another one of those false Christ. Sung Young Moon said he was the Christ. Jimmy Jones said he was. All over this world, all over this country, we have people proclaiming to be Christ, or to know things about Christ, and what they're doing is they're taking people, and they're moving them into false religions. And they may take a whole lot of what, what's right and twist it just enough so that it's wrong and they're leading so many astray. Jesus warns us to be careful of false religions and false prophets. He goes on and he talks a little bit about the, the, the signs of the times. It says that you're going to hear wars, rumors of wars. And he says this, don't be troubled for such things must needs be but the end shall not be yet. Look, I think what he's trying to tell us there, don't get stressed out because of all the world, all the things happening in this world. If you look up, you can go online and figure out how many wars are going on in this world. They're all over the place. And they're going to give you all sorts of things, but then you're going to get even and even a little more specific here because he says, for nation shall rise against nation. Now, in our American thought process, we're thinking country against country there, but that's not what it's talking about. The word for nation there is ethnos. We get our word ethnic from it. So what you're going to see is tribal warfare. This group of people against this group of people. We're going to, we're going to make sure that everybody's um, against each other, and you're going to see this happening more and more and more and more. Unfortunately, we've been seeing a lot of that in our country lately. He says it's going to happen. Then he says kingdom against kingdom. There's your nation. There's what we think of as nations, countries against countries. And he talks about earthquakes in diverse places, famines. There's a lot of hungry people in this world. By the way, we're blessed here. Even if we have to eat pinto bean flakes. I don't know, those Oreo flakes, those crushed Oreos, 
I can think of a lot of things to do with those. Ice cream, mix it all together. My daughter-in-law makes a, a, a cheesecake with Oreo crust. I need to get her a bag and she needs to do that for me. That'd be a great Father's Day present, except it'd send my diabetes in, in, into orbit. Bad sugar. But there's going to be famines. And, and, and he says here um, that, uh, where's the right word? Oh, and troubles. Matthew's gospel talks about it being pestilences. I guess we've just uh, survived a pestilence. There's going to be more pestilences. There's going to be more and more. But he tells us, don't to be worried. Don't be worried. Because he's in charge. And by the way, these things have been going on since the time he has gone back to heaven. Let's look at verse 9. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils. And in the synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be bought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must be first published among all nations. There's going to be persecution. There's the second warning. There's going to be trouble. If you're going to live for Christ, there's going to be trouble. Now, he's spoken uh, uh, directly to the um, disciples here. Hey, you guys, you're going to get kicked out of the synagogues. That's where everybody met. And those first believers in that first era of Christianity, and most of them were Jewish believers. And they got kicked out of their families. They got kicked out of the, the synagogues, which was the meeting place, and, and kind of like what we do in church. And, and you think about it, you, you saw a lot of that come to fruition in, in Acts. Well, you saw Saul, who turned into Paul, persecuting people. You saw Peter and John get beaten, stuck in prison, and you, you, these things happened and happened and happened, and they're still happening today, just in different places. And, and, and you're going to be some stuff here. You can get ridiculed for being a believer today. You really believe that stuff? Ah, oh, you're crazy. He has a little caveat against them. He says, and the gospel must first be published along all nations. And this all nations, once again, is ethnos, a tribe, a nation, a people group. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, foreign nations not worshiping the true God, they were called pagans and Gentiles. These nations were, uh, the, the gospel must be published to all these nations. And you know what? It, it, we are not there yet. That's why we're involved in missions, by the way. We want to get the gospel to every Every tribe, every person have an opportunity to, to take that grace that God so freely gives. Oh, we have a missionary here. He's gone to, to, to China, to, to Taiwan. And, and Corey, that's a people group that aren't reached. And there are so many people groups that aren't reached, and the gospel's not readily available in their own language and in their own. It's not there, and we need to be about getting it there. goes on, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do you <clears throat> premeditate, premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me talk that in a second. Um, Dennis, did you ever go to preacher meetings when you were pastoring? 
You ever do that popcorn preaching where they say, get up and just start preaching? I, I, I did that once. And it was funny because the passage they asked me to, to preach on, I had just made an outline on that passage, so I'd use the outline, and the next guy got up there and said, you don't need outlines here. Right, right, right. They think, some pastors and some preachers think that this message here in verse 11 is, is about preaching. Well, no, this verse in, in 11 is when you're under persecution and, God ha- and you are up against a trial and things, the Holy Spirit's going to give you the right words. It's like the words he gave Stephen when Stephen was being persecuted and stoned. It's the words he gave Paul. It's the words he gave Peter. It's the words that, that that's when the Holy Spirit is going to speak through. And you don't have to be prepared. Look, if I just got up here and started talking, I'd probably talk about pinto bean flakes and Oreo cookies. Cindy, I didn't tell you, but there's boxes of chips back there. Not just the little bags of chips, the bigger bags of chips. And, and Dennis got rid of most of them, but I'm sure if you went back there, you'd be uh, taking some. Love my wife. She can eat just about anything she wants and stays thin and beautiful. Sometimes I dislike you for that. <laughs> I look at that stuff and... Verse 12, now brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son and children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be family members turning in family members. And by the way, don't you know that that stuff's happening now and has happened throughout the history from the time Jesus has left? If you're history, just study, study World War II, study the Nazi, Nazi Germany. It wasn't just Jewish people that were being taken away. And there's a lot of Jewish people turning in other Jewish people. But there were Christians being hauled away. Understand, those things are going to happen. By the way, just since it's Father's Day, listen, dads, it's your responsibility to pass on the faith. It's not the preacher or the youth pastor or the children's church worker. It's your responsibility to lead your home in a way where faith can be caught. You see, there's a difference in teaching faith and catching faith. Catching faith results in transformation. Teaching just gives you head knowledge. So dads, you don't want your kids turning you in, man. Make sure they become believers. Yeah. Well, that's one way to look at it. Oh. Verse 14. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let him that be in Judea flee into the mountains. And let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field turn not back to take up his garment, but woe unto them that are a child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray that ye, that your flight be not in the winter. For in those days shall affliction such as has not 
from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, there he is, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were even possible, even the elect. But take heed, behold, I have foretold you all these things, you all things. Not only are we going to see false Christ or false religion and persecutions, we're going to see some great tribulation. And let me explain, this part, verses 14 to 23, it hasn't happened yet. This is going to happen within this, this abomination of desolation. If you understand our eschatology properly, that's going to happen about the middle of a seven-year tribulation period that we call the Great Tribulation. I don't plan on being here during that time. I believe the rapture will happen before that starts. And I believe that Christ will come take his bride and we will go to heaven to be with him. But there are going to be some tough times on earth because he's going to send 144,000 evangelists. And he's going to have two great witnesses. And the gospel is going to be preached throughout this world. And people are going to come to know Christ. And the Jews will be brought back into Israel and they're going to be highly persecuted. And when this abomination of desolation, when, uh, when, when Antichrist sets himself up in the temple that will be rebuilt... They're saying, hey, get out of here, go, don't take, don't, you just leave and go find a place to hide right away. There's going to be great tribulation. He's warning us of that. Verse 24, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall and the, the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And, they shall, uh, and then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth and to the uttermost part of heaven. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know it is nigh, even at the door. For I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. There's been a lot of confusion in that little passage there about the, the, what a generation is. is. You know, the, when you start setting dates, you start figuring out generation. Okay, um, Israel came back in as a country in 1948, so one generation, then Jesus is supposed to come back. A little misunderstanding here on this, this word. Uh, Thayer's Greek dictionary says this. It, one of the meanings is this fathered or birth or nativity. That which has been begotten, men of the same stock or a family the several ranks of natural descent, the successive members of a genealogy. Metaphorically, a group of men very like each other in endowments, pursuits, character, especially in the bad sense of a first nation. The whole multitude of men living at the time. An age, get this, an age, the time ordinarily occupied 
be each successful generation, a space of 30 to 33 years. What we want to know about this generation is it's not, it's not limited to that 40 years or 33 years. It's an age or a time. It'll be when the, the time that will pass away, that generation that is under grace. That's the generation we live in. We've been under grace since Christ rose, and when that generation ends, when Christ calls us back, that, that age of grace changes. One of the key things there is heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. See, we have his word right here. We need to stay in that. Verse 32, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning." Least coming suddenly, he finds you sleeping. And I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Fourth warning is that Jesus is coming back, and we don't know when that is. We don't know when he's coming back. It could happen any time. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it could happen any time. I probably didn't say it the way I had it written, huh? This is the next point. Yeah, unknown of time of Christ's return. We don't know when he's coming back. When I was in high school, uh, we lived, lived in Miami, and my parents would go out of town. And because I had a job, I got to stay home. And uh, that was good. You know, I had to work, but I didn't get to, you know, it was okay. And as soon as my parents left, friends started showing up, and the party was at my house. Now, I know none of y'all were, were like me. I was, I was kind of on the wild side. And uh, sometimes I didn't want them showing up, but somehow they even found out about it, and they were there. And uh, it had been a horrible thing if my parents came back too quick. You know, we always knew exactly kind of a time when they should have been back, and, and so you could prepare. But my, mother, my stepmother caught me every time. You had a party. Well, how do you know? house is cleaner than when I left. That chair's been moved. I got caught every time. In fact, I got caught so bad one time. <clears throat> I'm going to tell myself because, you know, we're dealing with something pretty heavy here, and we're going to get into something heavy. Let me give you a little humor. I don't tell jokes, but I tell stories on myself. One of the times my parents were out of town, me and my buddies decided that we wanted to, to drink. And... Um, uh, my mom worked for Eastern Airlines, and we flew quite a bit, and we had a whole bunch of little miniatures that I got to display in my room. You know, again, I'm telling you, I wasn't church then, so don't judge me. But we had gotten some Jim Beam, and we drank those little bottles of Jim Beam. And we didn't want to get caught, so I had English leather aftershave. And it's the same color as bourbon. So I filled those bottles up. My parents came home, and they wanted a, a, a drink. So they decided they'd go in my bedroom and grab a couple of those miniatures. 
they grabbed the wrong ones. They had the sweetest smelling bourbon ever. <laughs> Listen, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We just don't know. But we need to be ready. He's coming back. He's coming back. And we're going to see him. And he, this is talking about his second coming where he comes to earth, but it's also that time when he calls us. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. So what are we going to do with all this stuff? <laughs> well, here's what we're going to do. We have to take heed to the signs of the time. We need to pay attention to what's going on. So let me give you some wise or really some, some things that we can do in our lives to prepare for Jesus coming back. The first thing to do is we prepare ourselves for Christ's return. We look at what's going on and realize he's going to come back and he could come back anytime. We have to prepare ourselves. So the first thing in preparing ourselves, we need to understand our salvation. Are we saved? Okay, this, this is just really the simplest thing. Have you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? There it is. That changes everything. It's not how good you can be. If it was how good you could be, I could never get there. That little thing with the English letter probably commit me forever. There's a whole bunch of other stuff they never knew I did. What about your salvation? Is there a time where you put your faith, where you believed on Jesus Christ as your Savior? See, we need one. Because we're all messed up. As we teach your kids, sin is anything you think, say, or do that displeases God. And some of you will say, well, I never do anything. I never say anything wrong. Great, but you're thinking it. We need salvation. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. Jesus died on a cross. He rose again. And if we believe in him, our sins are forgiven. They'll never be brought up against us again. How's your salvation this morning? Secondly, what about your sanctification? I'm going to use all these big words today. I'm going to even alliterate in some of this. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him are ye in Christ Jesus whom of God made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. By the way, you want to know the will of God? That tells you right there. Second Thessalonians 2.13, But we are bound to give thanks always, always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Listen, let me just tell you a little bit about this sanctification thing. This is a, it's something that starts, or we, it's salvation. God is setting you apart. He is making you holy. And, and, and how that all works some of that depends on us. Not that we can make ourselves, but, you know, God has given us his word. 
so that we can get to know him. And I, it just it, it bothers me that we don't take advantage of that. Listen, we have no excuse. If you can't read, you can get it online. You can listen to it. I understand there's even a YouTube station where they read the Bible. Go to YouTube. Listen to it. Read it. Find out what God's Word says. Because that Word is going to wash. It's going to, to help you. It's going to convict you. It's going to show you. And it's, God's going to work through His Word to, to, to conform you into the image of His Son. He's going to transform you from who you are into a likeness of Jesus. That's sanctification. This is that process that goes on and on. How is that going in your life? Look, Sunday morning and Wednesday night is not enough. Back in the old days, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night visitation, Saturday visitation, that was not enough. Every day you need to be in God's Word some way. You need to listen to, to, to godly music. That There's so much that teaches through that. We need to be saturated in God's Word as He works in our lives. Not only that, what about separation? Oh, man, you got to talk about that. Yeah, I am, but I'm going to try to give you what it really is. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteous with unrighteous? Or what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out among, from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Listen, separation is not isolation. Okay? Separation isn't not having anything to do with somebody that's not a church person. That's not what separation is all about. It starts talking about being unequally yoked. That's kind of a, that's an illustration from the Old Testament. It, it told Israel that you don't join two different kinds of livestock together to, 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 pull a, to a pull a plow. If you have a mule on one side and an ox on the other, it's not going to work out right, is it? We, even if you don't know anything about farming, you can figure that out. It's not going to happen, right? So you put two ox, you put two mules, and you can work together. It's telling them, be careful about that. Paul taught that it's not right to join together in spiritual enterprise with those who are not of the same nature, unbelievers. It is impossible under such a, an arrangement for things to be done to God's glory. See, when we try to do things, some of the things that we can try to do with unbelievers, if it's a spiritual thing, it's not going to work. Yesterday, I was asked to be part of a... Um, service at the uh, American Legion. Um, you don't know anything about American Legion. There's a lot of, the, the, when it was founded, there's a lot of spiritual things. And, and, and it, it's a Christian, really not, it's a Christian organization. It's just turned from something else. So I went in and they, I, last minute, they wanted me to do something a little bit different than I had planned. So I went in and, and, and uh, it was so hard to do anything spiritual there. 
because all they talked about was all the crazy stuff that happened at the bar and how all this was done. And the only thing I could even come up with it to, to even fit into that situation that a man who uh, man must show himself friendly to have friends, and this guy did that. There was nothing I could say. In fact, the Holy Spirit just said, don't, this is, don't cast pearls before these swine. How could I work together with them in that environment to bring them to some spiritual place? I couldn't. That's what separation is about. Christians are not to be bound together with non-Christians in any spiritual enterprise or any type of relationship that would be detrimental to through the Christian's testimony with the body of Christ. They knew who I was. They knew what I stood for. How they were reading prayers. They were doing it. It, it didn't work. Now, that doesn't mean I can't minister. Kept thinking as we were watching, as I was going through this, Jesus sat with sinners. He ministered to sinners, but that was on his terms, not on their terms. See, so we get together and work on something spiritual. We can partner with other people who are believers, but it's hard to accomplish something for Jesus Christ with people who are not. You see what I mean? As we work together in that. Now, I can tell you that there, just a little sideline on that, real quick that there are a lot of times that the secular world will give towards something that will help us achieve spiritual things. But we're not working side by side. And there may be, <laughs> there may be strings attached, so we need to be careful of that. I added one point, guys. You don't have to worry about it. It won't come up. As I was going through this, I thought, what about stewardship? You guys know what I'm talking about when I say Stewardship. It, it, there, it's, it's this thing where we got to take care of the things that God gives us. In Luke and in Mark and in uh, Matthew, Jesus is always saying, watch, take care of things. You don't know when things are going to happen. You don't know when the master's coming back. How are, what are we going to take care of? A man that, a steward is a man that was employed in great families to manage the domestic concerns. He was a manager. He kept the, the rents. He kept the income accounts. He kept everything going. He is like the key man. And we are God's stewards. Webster says in Scripture and theology, a minister of Christ whose duty is to dispense the provisions of the gospel, to preach its doctrines, and to administer its ordinances is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Look, how are you doing at taking care of the stuff God gives you? That's all. How, how are you doing in taking care of that? Are you taking care of what he gives you? Are you taking care of your time? Are you using it in a, in a wise way? Oh, by the way, let me tell you what wise way is. It's not mean working yourself to death all the time. And, 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 by the way, and God will have a way of getting your attention. Uh, you'll fall off playground equipment and hurt your shoulder. I'm getting there. <laughs> Still a little painful at times. No, we need to manage our time. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to, 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 to manage the treasures, to manage the things that God gave us. We need to take care of that money that God gave us and use it in ways that, that not get drowned so much in debt that we can't even breathe. Been there, done that. Don't have a T-shirt because I couldn't afford one. My wife says, yep. 
I'm glad she's around because she keeps things done. How are you taking care of your finances? How are you using that? How are you using the talents that you have? The abilities. Listen, we need to take care of the things God's given us. That's what it means to be a good steward. The signs of the times are all around us. We need to prepare for Christ's return. Our salvation, our sanctification, our separation, and our stewardship. Now I'll go through these next points fairly fast. How are we going to take heed to the signs of the times? Prepare for Christ's return. Then we allow the signs to motivate us unto good works. Mark 12, uh, 13, 24. But in those days after tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be taken, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Verse 10 says, And the gospel must be first published among all nations. Ephesians tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. 1 Timothy talks to the rich people. It says, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Oh, and Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. There's a lot of other verses that will work out into that. Listen, Jesus is coming back. The signs are all around. It needs to motivate us to do good things. It motivates us to take care and get food out to people. Not just food, the spiritual things. It should motivate us to, to love on kids. We're going to be able to get back in schools this year. We're going to need help with Good News Club to love on a whole bunch of kids and don't get loved on. Mops is going to start in August. We're going to need some more helpers for Mops. It should motivate us to, to love on these little kids because some of them need that too. In fact, a lot of them need it. Man. What about, the, what about the people all around us? What about each other? Some of us need a little hug once in a while. We need a little encouragement. We need a little love. We should be motivated to do good things for others because the times, the signs of the times. And lastly, we take heed to the signs of the times by urgently warning the world of the coming judgment. Verse 32, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, 
to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight, or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Romans 14.12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Hebrews 9.27, As is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Revelation chapter 20 talks about the great white throne judgment. Listen, I don't want to preach a gospel of fear. I want you to preach a gospel of love. But if we love the people around us, we need to urgently warn them that there is a judgment coming. Not all paths lead to heaven. I know that's a popular thing today. Even among, uh, even among so-called Christian faith, there's a thing called universalism. It's a, it's a doctrine that's been brought out by several people that, you know, we'll kind of get there one day. Not according to God's Word. The only way we're going to get there is by knowing Jesus as our Savior. So it needs to, we need to urgently warn people. Now let me tell you something. Don't go around going, you're going to go to hell. That's not going to get you anywhere. Except they're going to think you're a kook. Don't go get a sign. The world is ending. That's not going to get you much. That's not going to do it. No. We reach this world through building relationships. The people that you know, the people that you come in contact with, love them enough to share the gospel with them. See, they don't have to know that you're urgent. You have to be urgent. We have to be urgent as a, as a church. It's important that we get the gospel out to people. Because... God's not willing that any perish. We hold the keys. Let's share the keys. This morning, man, we look at the signs of the times. It seems like that Jesus could come back now. And he can. We, we look with distress at the things going on. It's not a fear. We don't have to be afraid of the things going on. Because we know who's allowing them. We just need to make sure that we're ready for Christ's return. We need to, to be motivated unto good works. And we need to urgently share and warn of the coming judgment. And that will be obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready when he calls. When there's a shout and a trumpet and the dead in Christ rise first and then we are changed and we will forever be with him. We can comfort one another with those words. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we come, we are so very thankful for your word. We're thankful for the warnings. The warnings that um, there's going to be false religions there's going to be persecution. Lord, there's going to be great tribulation and you're coming back. Help us, Father, 
to not live in fear of these things, but just to be right with you. Lord, to be motivated to good works to other believers and those outside the faith. And Lord, may we warn them. May it be urgent in our hearts to warn people of the judgment that will come. And may we do it in a way that will please you and honor and glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name.